we would first like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is being produced and pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and those emerging, and acknowledge their spiritual connection to the country. Recently, there has been a lot of discussion regarding consent education in schools to protect students from harassment and assault. But who's protecting the teachers? I'm Joel Cripps, and you're listening to RMIT's Swanston Explainer. Recent allegations of sexual assault and harassment in federal government have sparked a nationwide conversation about the issue. A large part of that conversation focuses on the potential breeding grounds for the toxic masculinity and privileged attitudes that allow such behaviour to continue. Is there this sort of toxic masculinity that we hear about, that we've seen in in the news? On a packed Melbourne tram, a group of schoolboys from St Kevin's College are being loud and obnoxious. I think it's despicable behaviour and frankly, I understand the students have been suspended uh, and that's an entire legitimate response from the school. They'd have to be extremely um, apathetic and irresponsible to have not heard this sort of thing before. Yeah, I definitely think that there is a culture of toxic masculinity. And I think one of the problems we have is that we give them this justification of, oh, boys will be boys, you know, like, that's just how they are. As an aspiring teacher myself, I want to know if I'm entering a field where I can be sure of the safety of my female colleagues. So I spoke to reporter Ethan Dean about the issue of sexual harassment in elite private schools. Hi, Ethan. Hi, Joel. Um, so I suppose to answer your question about whether or not uh, you'll be safe in the profession, it doesn't look good. Uh, I came across uh, the story when I was researching another story about sexual harassment in local government. I saw an article written by George Varian, who is a researcher from Monash University who also teaches in the Masters of Educational Leadership training faculty and administrators. And he had interviewed 32 female teachers, uh, all employed in elite private boys' schools, uh, and all 32 of them had anecdotes regarding sexual harassment that they'd experienced at the hands of students. So I conducted an interview with George to go over uh, what he'd found uh, his research dealt more with the culture as a whole in private boys schools as opposed to just the sexual harassment, uh, but his findings on sexual harassment specifically were very interesting. So the issue I think with boys schools is uh, on the one hand to, to use a, you know everyday term, it's, it's elitism to an extent, which is, you know, we're going to have for ourselves this special experience and we're going to, you know, it doesn't matter what everyone else, you know, does, we, this is ours. And we say, this is just our choice. And I think what happens in elite private schools, it, the separation is not only about the rich and the poor, but it's also becomes gendered as well. Is you know, us boys and them girls type of thing. And it's that kind of insular, inward looking uh, that demands a logic of having an other that other is the poorer person, the other is the, uh, the disenfranchised, but the other is also the female. So what are the root causes? What's leading people to do this in the first place? 
according to George uh, and also uh, Dr. Bianca Fahl, the one who's another Monash educator that I spoke to, environments where there is a significant skew in gender, uh, particularly that leads uh, towards the male, this tends to happen quite frequently. Contexts where women have less access to power and resources than men, you know, contexts where women are systematically devalued, um, where their work and contributions are devalued are all um, contexts where gender-based violence is more likely to occur and, you know, more likely to be normalised um, and excused. And that was always the intention of boys' schools, to try and exclude girls in one way or another, either because girls originally weren't allowed to go to school and now just to try and separate them and segregate them on the whole. It's not really a surprise that this leads to a society or a culture within the school that is prioritising male viewpoints and not really considering both sides of an issue. Yeah, Dr. Barian's research uh, touches on that very specifically and the potential damages of uh, segregating by the genders um, and whether or not boys who attend these schools are properly learning how to mediate differences between the genders. What sort of structures are in place? What, what's being done? Who can I go to if something's going wrong? Um, so, uh, unfortunately, f specifically for student-perpetrated sexual harassment of a teacher, uh, at least according to Dr. Varian in the time that he spent there, there's no specific avenue, policy or plan in place for student sexual harassment. They have, obviously, HR departments that deal with sexual harassment between staff members, uh, but issues uh, where students would perpetrate this sort of behaviour are treated more as a disciplinary matter. So a bad child doing a naughty thing. And so often this is handled uh, as a disciplinary matter by someone who's not trained in sexual harassment mediation and maybe doesn't understand the severity of what's occurred. So there's nothing specific. There's no sort of backgrounding, there's no sort of basis in sexual harassment training, it's just the same as flicking a pen at another student? Essentially, yes. Um, at least not from what Dr. Varian could tell and not from what I've been able to come up with in my research either. Yeah. There doesn't, doesn't appear to be any. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I can't... I, from what I can tell, the, the way it's handled is that, you know, it, it's the, the, the teaching question will go to their particular supervisor, might be the head of teaching and learning, etc., and, and try to get some support to help deal with the issue. And, 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 and um, management or like the leaders that might be the head of the school or whatever can be really responsive, right? But then at the same time, they're not necessarily trained to deal with these kind of issues. You would think that wouldn't be the case these days. You would think that they'd have something. That's quite shocking. So it was something that shocked me as well. Like we live in a time where everyone should be really educated on a topic like this. Workplaces everywhere have training in place, uh, mandatory um, and things. It shouldn't be an issue that people are, it shouldn't be an issue that people are ignorant of. But 
sexual harassment policy that exists as a blanket. Uh, so, like, every school will have a general sexual harassment policy that, like, is sort of mediated by their HR department. Um, it would appear those are somewhat ineffective, um, given the numbers that I've looked at. Another issue is uh, a culture of victim blaming, not intentionally so. Uh, it's not so much uh, like an issue of how people would usually talk about victim blaming. So like, what were you wearing? Why were you out at night? Uh, but because this is seen as an issue of misbehavior, when this occurs and a teacher is targeted uh, by a student and sexually harassed, the common line of thought is that it's the teacher's fault for not being able to rein in the students. So they're a poor disciplinarian and students are acting this way because you let them. A misbehaving student is the teacher's fault. Now, I've been in a lot of classrooms. I've taught kids everywhere. It's not usually your fault that they don't want to pay attention or they want to say something mean to someone. But internally, the schools are saying, well, you just should have stopped them before they did it. You should have tr disciplined them better in advance. It seems a little bit unfair. Uh, very much so. Um, the deeper you dig into the issue and the more you research, not just sexual harassment in schools, but sexual harassment in the workplace in general, um, things tend to be very unfair. So I've heard it said that almost everybody knows someone who's experienced sexual harassment, whether they're aware or not. What did you find out about how prevalent it is in these spaces? Um, so I wasn't able to focus on the issue of sexual harassment perpetrated by students very specifically. Um, the best set of data I could find was the Australian Education Union's submission to the Human Rights Commission of 2019 that looked into workplace sexual harassment across all sectors. Uh, they had a very detailed submission that focused on the education sector as a whole. So primary, secondary, tertiary, and specialist. Um, and so there were some worrying statistics there. Of their interview sample, uh, which consisted of roughly 1,800 teachers who were members of the Australian Education Union, 51.7 of people surveyed reported being sexually harassed at some point over the course of their career as an educator. So some of these people aren't employed as teachers anymore, um, but during their time teaching, uh, they reported being sexually harassed. And of the currently working teachers, 33.9% had experienced it. Let's just think about that for a moment. A third of teachers who are currently working, according to this survey, have been sexually harassed. You don't have to walk into that many classrooms to find someone who is being in some way mistreated while they're trying to bring up the next generation. What, what can we do about this? Um, so it would seem that systems in place currently are ineffectual. Um, 75, uh, actually 78% of teachers who had actually reported instances of sexual harassment in the workplace, whether perpetrated by students, fellow staff, parents, uh, had 
said that the result of their report they found unsatisfactory, which is stopping other people from reporting. Um, I think we have to look beyond the systems that are in place currently, and Dr. Varian will certainly agree with me. Uh, one of the most important things I think to do would be education for students on what constitutes sexual harassment. Um, we've seen recently that proposals for consent uh, to be added to sex education, um, but I think sexual harassment as a topic needs to be discussed specifically outside of any sex education that they do uh, as its own sort of program, uh, if you will. Um, and it needs to be explained to students, I think, how serious it is uh, to make the sort of comments that they're making, to take the photos that they're taking, and just understand that it's uh, unacceptable. Um, training for pre-service teachers and administrators on sexual harassment mediation so that when they are disciplining a student, they can approach it in the correct way, I think would also be very important. Um, and I'm sure you would probably agree with that. Definitely. Like, I, I would like to know what to do if it ever comes up. I mean, I'm sure that not every classroom is going to be dangerous to me. I've been in plenty of schools. Some of the best speeches I've heard about the dangers of toxic masculinity are from uh, schools that have had massive problems with toxic masculinity, where they've been able to see the problem and identify it. They just haven't been able to have enough of an impact yet. I think there is, there's some good out there. I think we just need to find a way to focus it almost, to see what we can actually do to make change. Uh, well, Dr. Varian would certainly agree with you, um, at least in relation to boys' schools specifically. Um, there is talk of whether or not there is a place for boys' schools, whether or not they're redeemable, um, and if they should exist at all. Uh, but something Dr. Varian said at the end of our interview really stuck out to me. There has to be, I think there are good people in these schools, right? struggling with difficult conditions. And so I would hope that there are, you know, brave uh, administrators and brave teachers that are willing to, you know, put it on the line and, and to demand the change that I, I think the community, the wider community wants to see. Well, thank you, Ethan, for giving me that dark news, but I think it'll be worth it if we can keep pushing, like George said, and keep trying to work towards improving these systems. Maybe one day we will be able to say that we're sure that all staff members in schools are safe. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks very much for having me, Joel.